We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome into another episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. And we are joined by a special guest today, a guy I once called soft. Uh, I didn't call you directly soft, Armando Baycott, but I did call your team soft back in November. And now I'm eating my words. Um, but I thought you guys changed. I, I thought, listen, to me, it was so much fun to watch you guys. I, I compare you to the Boston Celtics a little bit this year, to be honest. And I live in Boston of a team that started off slow, couldn't kind of figure it out. And then after some time, you guys just clicked and, and, and put it together at the right time. But uh, again, listen, congrats on, on a hell of a season. It was so much fun to watch you and your teammates. Again, especially when you see a team that is struggling early and, and, and react to a moron like me calling you soft and, uh, and proving me wrong. I, listen, and how you handled it at the final, at the final four, I, I thought was, was really impressive because you didn't go at me, but you had fun with it. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I saw that video, that was like just one of the motivating factors. I'm like, <laughs> I'm at the final four one day. You did. Armando, did you want to punch this guy when you saw the video? I mean, you lose to Purdue, top 15 team. You lose to Tennessee, top 15 team. I know you guys didn't play well, but when you see this idiot on, on screen and Coach Davis is playing it, what, what, did you want, what did you want to say to this guy? I mean, it kind of pissed all of us off. Just It was right before we played App State. I'd never forget it. Coach, he just turned on the TV and he just played that clip and that's literally all we said before the game. It was no scouting report. It just, I ain't gonna lie, it fired us up for sure. Well, there, there's nothing worse, am I wrong, than, than being called soft, right? Like, yeah. like you could have said we weren't good. You yeah. could have said we didn't have talent, but just yeah. like that's what really, you know, kind of took it over the top. It's funny because your your teammates denied, I think, that you were, I don't know if it was that you were soft. I forget how I asked them. But a couple of your teammates kind of denied it. And they were like, no, I, I think I asked them. I said, you guys weren't fun to watch. Yeah. And they said, we don't, we don't think that was the case. And I'm like, yeah, but, and I asked you that. And I think you understood what I was getting at, that, that you really weren't playing well together at that point. And I felt like you weren't competing 
from a toughness standpoint also at, at a level certainly that you did later on in the season? Yeah, I mean, I think just the huge part for us was just playing together specifically on the defensive end. Like, it wasn't really a help-to-helper type thing. It was just like, I don't want my man to score. That was like a huge problem with us in the beginning of the season. And then once we really started trusting each other on both ends, that's when we really saw, like, just our play take off. Armando, when did you know that this Carolina team could be elite, as in get to the Final Four? What Was it the Duke win on the road? And honestly, what changed? You know, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I think really just all season we kind of were delusional because at no point, like, we didn't think we were a good enough team to go to the Final Four. And, really? I mean, we got back like six or seven times. But <laughs> yeah. throughout it, like, we would have team, like, just player conversations in our groups that, like, we're going to turn it around. Like, we really knew and thought we could get to the Final Four. And I think just our belief, even through those tough times, just really helped us. Well, you, you speak of tough times. You guys lose to Pitt at home. And Pittsburgh, you know, we've talked about their struggles. <laughs> even after that, people were saying, we're, we're good. We can go to the Final Four. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, but at that point, we were, like, just hoping we still could get into the tournament. And we knew, like, if we get into the tournament, just right. the way we played, you know, it kind of – we knew it would throw teams off. And I think just that Duke game specifically in the end of the regular season, that's when like our identity as a team really like showed just on a national level, especially with just that ball screen in the middle third, just that, like off of that, we just really started to, you know, really find our identity. You know, March 5th, like I'm there. And I remember I had to go a couple of days early because Kay did his press conference on Thursday. So I fly in and it's all about Kay. Like, nobody even cares about you guys going into that game, right? I mean, you're, you're hearing it. Um, you know, it's all about him. You guys come out there and, and don't just win. I think you win that one convincingly to me. Um, mm-hmm. you, you guys controlled the game. You dominated the game for the most part. And then even after the game, I didn't even see you after the game, Mondo, because I had to go deal with the Coach K deal, right? It, yep. was, it was still all about K. Tell me what that whole deal was like going into it, coming out of it, where you partied, what you did after that game? Because I-, I know you had to party after that game. I mean, they beat us at home the first game. So going into this next game, we were already pissed. And then, like, we knew they just didn't think we were a good team. Like, nobody respected us. And it was like – it's one of those situations where we were, like, kind of a wounded animal. And it's just, like, at the point we were just fighting with our backs against the wall. So going into that game, I mean, we all came in there – Coach, showed us, like, a clip of the Lakers when they kept losing to the Celtics and how they just eventually beat them. And that really just inspired us. And, I mean, we was going in there looking for a fight. It wasn't no waiting for them to throw the first punch. We wanted to do that. And, I mean, I think that's really what we did, for real. All right, so then give me the post game. What was it like after you beat them back in, in Chapel Hill? Tell me tell me your night. Give me, give me the unfiltered night of, of so, what that was like. At 12 o'clock, it actually was my birthday, so. Really? Oh, what a day. <laughs> yeah. You could imagine. So we got back on the bus, and we drove to Franklin Street, and this was all our first times ever, like, really experiencing it just because of COVID. And then my freshman year, they beat us twice. So, yeah. I mean, it was just crazy. And just after that, you could just see the life, like, even till now, just the life on our campus has been crazy. I feel like we kind of re-energized just Chapel Hill as a whole. And it's so good there. I mean, Franklin Street, for people that haven't been there, it is electric. It was insane. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
just for the team, like everywhere we go now, it's like everybody loves us. Where, where, hey, like back in December when you yeah. guys would go out, what was it? I mean, were there times when you were hanging your head and would have the hood <laughs> over your head and, and after some of those losses? Definitely, for sure. Just because we knew we were so much better than the product we was putting out, too. And like you said, it just was like a lack of effort thing, I think, for us. Like, just not going out there and putting out the best product every game. And you would think, like, you get, like, 30 games. So, to be able to go out there and compete every game. But, I mean, it was just a lot of hiccups and things we just had to get over. I know getting to the Final Four is insane in itself with the, the whole experience that comes with it. But, Armando, what? What's it like to play your biggest rival and, and probably not, not probably it is the biggest rivalry in college basketball. Jeff and I were at the game. And even though Kansas and Villanova had just played, you know, 30 minutes before, it felt like it was 50-50 Duke UNC right down the middle. So so what is that experience like of, of getting to play the biggest rivalry on the biggest stage in the sport? I mean, it was a nerve-wracking just build-up. We just ready to play, like, immediately just because I knew how high stakes of the game it would be just because growing up being a college basketball fan and just knowing so much about the rivalry, it was like a game we had to win. So, I mean, we all just was ready to play, and it was still just no talk about us. Everybody was saying I do because the best team, at, like, in the tournament, and I felt like we played the best basketball. I mean, all tournament, well, all year, our problem had been depth, and, I mean, We've been Baylor by 30 before Brady got thrown out the game and Caleb got pushed out the game too. And I feel like a lot of people forgot that just because we blew the lead. But I mean, Depp, like, it was like a five, six man team. So that was just more fuel to our fire going into that game because people were saying how they were the best team in the tournament. Nobody was picking us to win the game. And we just wanted to spoil their party. I've got to ask you did you ever ask Brady what it was like to sit in the locker room and, and watch? the lead disappear he had to be like <laughs> losing his mind right oh yeah Brady he's a high head he was for sure going crazy <laughs> even after the game we went in there he was upset just because he didn't have a chance to be out there and I mean he had like what 27 points for like 12 minutes still left so kind of I mean I was hurt for him because I knew he could have had a really crazy game like legendary game and the follow I mean his 27 points helped us but he was upset for sure I felt like, Mondo, that overtime kind of also gave you that – right? I mean, you, you blow yeah. that lead, everybody thinks you're going to lose because you're playing a team, Baylor, that everybody kind of has said a program of culture, right? Toughness, mental yeah. toughness. You know, not the same guys, but a lot of the same guys who won a title a year ago. And I think a lot of people thought you guys would wilt. In, in overtime, and instead you come away with a win. How important was that for the rest of the, the run? Yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of guys that don't usually play, like Puff Johnson and Ju Justin McCoy in those situations. They stepped up. So, I mean, I think that kind of gave them the confidence, too, to know, like, hey, we can play in those moments. And then Dontrez, too, yeah, just for us to just pull that out. And, I mean, the way those guards were playing at Baylor, we found a way. And, I mean, I think – that gave us that extra confidence. Like, if we can beat the number one season one in the national championship, we can beat anybody. Armando, how do you how do you view this season? I mean, getting to the Final Four is just an incredible achievement for any team. You beat Duke twice, but you know you end up losing the national title game. How do you view this year? I mean, I would view it a success just because where we started and then to where we got to. And I think 
just it was huge for our team just kind of building the identity of you know what coach Davis coach teams would be like I feel like we did a good job of just showing that and I mean I think just this team for him for the rest of his career is something he can look back on and use us as an example like for any team because we started off not really looked at as a tournament team having so much issues as far as everything all across the board and it's something he can look back on and say hey like you can change you can be like that so I think it was definitely a success that's because of idiots like Jeff <laughs> you guys weren't Listen, looked at as a tournament wait wait wait, wait. I just want to say <laughs> any disrespect you see what's that I said, and you disrespected the ACC, too. <laughs> I did. I, well, that was just fun. Listen, as you know, I like to have a little and, fun, and too. And the ACC's got half the Final Four. I mean, I mean the one. Should, should we allow Jeff to keep writing about college basketball <laughs> yeah, or, or podcasting? I don't know. Growing up a college basketball fan, you know, I love, like, the big media guys like Jeff Goodman. And just to grow up and, like, now I see that he hates us. I'm like, dang. And now you hate him. <laughs> Listen, I – I remember seeing you, Mondale, back at Peach Jam. You and Hunter beating the crap out of Wiseman in that game. I I always remember that game, to be honest, because two bigs like that, and and you guys were so much fun. That team was beyond loaded, right? You guys, Roach. Who else did you have on that team? It was so loaded. Justin Moore, Villanova. Yeah. Uh, Hunter, we had Ann Harris, who at UNC. Yeah. Uh, Jameer Young, who was at Charlotte. <laughs> Damn. And he played like 12 minutes. Wow. We had Casey Marcel at NC State. Terrence Williams at Michigan. We had Jeff Oduru. He's killing at uh, oh, yeah. George Mason. Yep. So, yeah. all right. I, I got a little... A little quick before we get on to NIL, which everybody's going to want to know and, and hear. And, and I love you because I, I don't know how far into NIL you're going to go, but I know you, you're, you're more honest than most dudes. So I can't wait to hear some of these answers. Um, you and Hunter. All right. Mm. Quick three questions. And, and Hunter's going to hear this. We're going to make sure Hunter hears this. Number right. one, who wins one-on-one, -on -one, you and Hunter? <laughs> Me, for sure. Me, for sure. <laughs> All right. Number two. Who has the higher vertical? You or Hunter? Me for sure. I mean, I, I've, Armando, do not let him ask terrible questions like this. You lead the freaking country in ACC and rebounding, and he's going to ask that question. Hey, no, wait, Mondo, just ask Hummel what his vertical is. <laughs> hey, I'm 33 years old. I'm old, so it doesn't even matter. But he ducked I me. Cannot, I cannot believe he asked you that. He ducked me in New Orleans. We were supposed to have a, a vert contest. But Hummel was nowhere to be found. I'm 50 That's years old, and he's nasty. ducking me, Mondo. Like, come on. That's the way to happen. I don't want this. I don't want this old man to blow his Achilles trying to touch the <laughs> uh, the first ring on the vertical jump test. Probably a good wow. move. Pro probably a good move. Uh, who makes more threes? You or Hunter? <laughs> we had a student competition. It'd be close, but this year he made more threes than me. He did. He did. I give him credit. Like, he had, he had the green light too. Yeah, I mean, Hunter, he's he's been killing it for sure. Yeah. If he comes, he definitely he's gonna be up there in that player of the year consideration for sure. All right, so let's get to NIL and how much that played in. We've seen okay, so we've seen Kofi leave early. We've seen Oscar come back, and I put you saw the number I'm sure that I put out there with, with Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Minimum of two million, I was told. Minimum. Yeah, I, 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 oh, he deserves it all. He deserves it for sure. 
Is it crazy when you saw that number, or were you not surprised at all? I mean, he was a national player of the year, so, I mean, I don't think it's crazy. And, I mean, Oscar, great person. Yeah. He got family overseas, so, I mean, just have an opportunity to have that money and possibly be able to, you know, do whatever you want with that all for us. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's really cool, especially for somebody like him, who I know his family could, could sure. use that money. So that's going to go a long way for his family. Um, sure. How much – you decided you were coming back quickly. So my guess is they put together that NIL package for you pretty quick. How much did that play in? No, nah, I mean, it really didn't – I mean, it plays somewhat of a role. Not like – how do I put it? I knew going coming back, it would be a lot of opportunities just because UNC is such a huge school. And, I mean, I know we got a lot of good fans, like, as fans of the program and – I mean, NIL has been good, but, uh, I mean, a huge part for me, too. I mean, I was injured, yeah. so I really couldn't do anything. I mean, I I got good feedback, honestly, from just the NBA. I mean, it was great feedback. So, I mean, I feel like I was at a – but in my situation, I just wanted to be able to go through that process and be as healthy as possible and put out the best product because that's – you know, I'm not in position of, like, Apollo Bancaro to where I can go into something not being 100%, you know what I mean? So – it was a lot of that. And I mean, I just wanted to come back another year just to be able to develop more. I mean, I love being at UNC. Like you said, I got the opportunity to make NIO money and, you know, feel comfortable with doing that. And, you know, possibly whatever my situation would have been next year, just still being in a good position at school. You've now been a college student athlete with no NIL because of the rule. And then now you're a college student athlete with NIL. I, I was telling Jeff before you got on, and I am so pro the players should be able to make money. Yeah. Um, but I was saying it, when I was playing at Purdue, had there been NIL, there was a bar where if you spent a hundred bucks, they'd give you a t-shirt. And I was yeah. like, I might've had 700 t-shirts if I was, if I was making that kind of money. Yeah. I would have just, because I don't think I was equipped to make the best decisions at that point in time. Have you noticed a difference? Like, has your experience changed at UNC with name, image, and likeness, or has it been pretty much the same? Uh, I would say, yeah, it has changed just because there's so many different things you can do now. Like, and that's kind of somewhat a part of your schedule. It's a small part, like autograph signings. Like, a lot of the players, we do that, make a good amount of money off that. I mean, appearances, you know. In Chapel Hill, I got my own burgers, so I got to do restaurant appearances and things like that. So it's just a different dynamic that has been added to college basketball. But, I mean, none of us on the team, we really went too crazy with just signing a bunch of partnerships because, obviously, that would take away from our schedule. But just having that extra money in your pocket, for sure, it makes college even better. Are you how dealing – or go ahead. How Jeff. do you deal with – I assume you have somebody, you have an agent who filters everything to you. Huh? Is that kind of how it works for you? Yeah, that's mainly how it works. Because, I mean, that's the one thing I, I don't want to say I worry about it, but I think some guys, if they're not mature and they don't yeah. maybe have an agent or whatever, they're looking at their phone all the time. It could be distracting, could it not? 100%, because, I mean, you get all these brands hitting you up and then it's just a matter of you just throwing your name around, just trying to get as much money as possible and, in the long run, it doesn't look good once you sign with a bunch of different brands and do things like that. So I feel like having an agent or somebody in your corner that can work through that space is definitely pivotal. We got to give Jimmy Seafood a plug while we're on here, by the way. <laughs> they, they they sent me some stuff, uh, and it was good, <laughs> like really good. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, nah, they got good stuff. And John, he's a huge USC fan. So. Huge. This guy, yeah, that, this guy hits me up all the time about Carolina news. Yeah, all the time. So that's perks of you know, being a part of UNC. You yeah. get these time with people like that. Armando, how do you feel like with going to the Final Four that changes the NIL game for you? I mean, I, I feel like that just puts you yeah. on a pedestal as a player because it's so yeah. hard to get there, and especially at a brand like UNC, which is you know one of the flagship programs of college basketball. How, how does that change things for you? Yeah, I mean, it's just been crazy for all of us. Just that whole month of March and April, I mean, you could only imagine just through our merch, just everything, like everything went crazy. And it's just been huge for us. And I mean, I guess it's kind of an incentive to win, even more of an incentive to win, just seeing how crazy it went in March. And for all of us, it was amazing. And you mentioned balancing that. I yeah. guess just how how challenging is that? Because you're, and I look at this as, even as a pro athlete, you start getting offers to make money and you're like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do this. You know, like, yeah, but, you man, know, I'll... it would be easy to say yes to everything, not yeah. understanding that, yo, this time commitment is going to be insane. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just, I never try to do anything during the season. So unless in March, I did a few things like just appearances, just because it was kind of the thing that was going on in March with the team. But I try to stay away from deals where I got to do a bunch of appearances. Like, I'll do social media posts and things like that or, like, commercials. But that was all of us. We just really didn't want to do a lot of appearances during the season. So that was just our way of just not getting too deep into it. So if there was an NIL, do you think you'd still come back to school? Or do you think you would have at least tested the waters and, and probably left? Yeah, I mean, it would have been close for sure. It, it would have been – I mean, this decision was close, but it would have been probably even closer. I probably would have maybe leaned a little bit more towards leaving. Yeah. I feel like with bigs, and again, we just went through a Kofi yeah. leaves, but how much do you think, like, enjoying school, too, plays into this? Because if you hate school, you're going to leave even if you have NIL opportunities, right? But, like, for yeah. bigs, you, Hunter, Oscar, Drew Timmy still hasn't made his decision. Hunter hasn't yet. Um, Trace Jackson Davis. All you guys, it's so different. And, and you and I talked about this a little bit at the Final Four even. You know, 10 years ago, you're all first-round picks. Yeah. Now, the game has changed where there's not as much value on you guys because you're not super athletic. You're not guys who stand out there and shoot the three. Uh, you're more yeah. traditional bigs. So none of you probably right now are locked first rounders. Yeah. How much does that change the game for traditional bigs being able to stay in college longer? Yeah. I mean, I think it just gives us more of a chance to, you know, just to be able to develop and get even better. And especially like just having more time in college, it just, like I said, it gets you better. So when it's your time, you just go in and you're more ready than ever. You and feel I like watching Hunter shoot threes, like, have you talked to Hubert about that? And I know, obviously, you want to play within the framework of, of your team and, and make sure you utilize your strengths. But is that a conversation that you had a little bit of, hey, I'd like to be able to step out and, you know, you show him any Hunter tape? That's actually what he said to me. He was like, I couldn't come back if I, you know, wouldn't make the jump and start shooting more and more threes. So you excited? Um, you, you in the gym jacking threes, you know, all day right now? Well, once I get healthy, I will yeah. be. 
How, yeah, how are you? What, what came of, like, how bad was that injury that we saw you obviously hobble off the floor, I mean, several times? And, and, mm-hmm. and also, what was going on with the court there? Like, like Hummel yeah. said to me, he said in a lot of courts, and you guys can talk about this a little bit, that the floor gives. So yeah. go, go through your kind of injury there and, and what happened and how you felt. Yeah, I mean, it was just weird because I saw the video and it just didn't look like something that should happen, like, on a game-ready court. So, I mean, it kind of definitely threw me off after the game when I saw it because I thought I had a good angle and I thought I had a good chance of making a shot just because Dave, he had four fouls and I know he didn't want to pick up the fifth foul. And I just thought I had a good angle and then I just took that step and then my ankle just twisted. And I didn't think I did anything wrong. I mean, I knew the right ankle was weak, but... Yeah. I thought I was in a good place, but I guess it's one of those things where we'll never know. When when will you be cleared to to be full go? Probably in the next few weeks, I'd say. Oh, good. So it's was it a, like a third degree? Like how bad was the sprain? Bad? Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad, but pretty bad. yeah, I'm I'm a little bit ahead of the curve though, just my recovery. Well, you don't have to rush it now either. I mean, that's yeah, the positive right now. You know you're not trying to get to an NBA workout or the combine or any of that, so you might as well get 100. percent Yep. How much plays into playing to your strengths as well? Like you want to obviously showcase the fact that you can spread the floor, but you're one of the best rebounders in the country. You know, and I guess I want to ask you, what makes you such a good rebounder? What What do you think is the most important thing about rebounding? I would say just wanting to do it, because I mean I feel like. I just really fell in love with rebounding ever since I've been at I'm at, at UNC. And it's one of the things where I feel like that's what I'm great at. So, you know, I wanted to find something that I could really be great at and stand out at. And I feel like rebounding, that's my niche. And, and how much of a balance do you have to strike? Because obviously you can't rebound if you're 20 feet away from the basket. And, and not that you can't crash the glass, but, you know, you, you've really – found a way to be an elite level rebounder you and oscar i would say have separated yourselves as you know not just the best rebounders in the country but two guys that have done it better than maybe anybody we've seen in the last 10 years yeah i mean i would just say just my coaches like coach williams and coach uh davis y'all know how unc is that's something that we've been emphasizing forever so i think i really just took it to the next level this year and i knew i would play last year i mean just playing with all those bigs I feel like my numbers definitely weren't like far as rebounding where I knew they could be. And then coming in this year, I told Coach May, I was like, I honestly think I can average about 13 rebounds. And I actually ended up doing it. Crazy. So I, I didn't know Hubert much going into this year. I, I didn't because Carolina assistants have a different role. And it's yeah. really kind of not to get a lot of attention. I'd walk by him on the recruiting trail. And honestly, I thought he didn't like me because he'd have, and he probably didn't, but he'd have his head down. <laughs> he'd have his head down and, and you know, just kind of stayed to himself. And this year, man, I have fallen in love with Hubert Davis. Like, I, man, I don't, something about him that you just, the passion, the energy, the enthusiasm on the sideline, in the, in the press, everywhere. Every, he is like just somebody that you want to play for. Why? To say he's such a caring guy and he just makes everything fun. Like just his him like just instilling confidence in all of us and she has been huge. Like it's never a point in time. And you know, sometimes this may be a bad thing too, but he's never telling us like we're taking bad shots and he's just always encouraging us to shoot more. And I think that's just us having those confidence from our coach 
was just huge for us. And I mean, he's just a loving guy. He's one of the nicest people you ever meet. Do you have a favorite Coach Davis story? Man, there's so many. Like, he just, he's a fiery person. Like, you see the nice, but I mean, he got a fiery side and an inside, too. You know, Robbie, he he doesn't swear. Yeah, he does not at all. Never. I did not. Never heard him swear. So, was, is there a point? Sometimes I feel like guys can be too nice too optimistic too upbeat was there a point where he changed a little bit and and maybe got into you a little bit more and obviously it's a feeling out process for him for you in his first year moving over to replace coach Williams was there a point where maybe he felt more comfortable that he could kind of jump you guys I mean first day of practice I mean he got into me in front of everybody and I think that really just set the tone just I mean, he's a nice guy, but when it when it gets in between those lines, he turned into a completely different person, and it's it's almost like he kind of bipolar because we'll be smiling right before practice and talking and laughing, then as soon as we get on those floor and let's say miss a layup or something, next thing you know, he's setting it off in there. So he got two different sides, but I mean, all year, I mean, he was tough on all of us, all the coaches are. So that's kind of just how UNC coaches are, just in general. By, by the way, Shimon Williams, uh, we had him on our show during the, the Final Four, and he, he now said his quote, the rivalry is dead. That's what he said. He goes, there's nothing Duke can do now. The rivalry is over. And uh, Shimon's a character, man. The, the Carolina yeah. family is something like no other in terms of, like, guys coming back in the summer, everybody kind of protecting and being a part of that family. Um, what do you got coming up now? You're finishing classes. What what is the what will the summer look for you this year? Oh, uh, just working out, you know, just getting better. That's really it. And I'm what a- about the team now? You got almost everybody coming back. We're, we're one guy hasn't made their decision, one key guy. Uh yeah, you letting him do his thing and just leaving him alone, or Caleb Love, you know, obviously gonna be a huge decision for him and for this team. Yeah. I mean, it'll definitely be a huge decision, but I mean, we we hope that he comes back. But I mean, even in the transfer portal, everybody wants to come to UNC. I mean, some, <laughs> of the, some of the guys that have hit me up, you wouldn't even believe. Like, dang, like, really? So, yeah. You don't want to drop any hints. So, how much recruiting do you do? I mean, we'll have no scholarships. So, it's oh, like, well, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> come walk on at UNC. We'll win the whole thing. That's the that's the pitch. High level guys that like want to come to UNC, but it's just we have no scholarships. You do realize, and this is something that hasn't been talked about at all, but we're going to start to see walk ons with NIL. Like, totally. you can br- think about it. You don't have a scholarship. It doesn't matter in a way because if you, if you get enough NIL for that player, yeah. get him a million dollars. What a scholarship's what? 50. I mean, I know I'm paying for my daughter next year 50 grand at Indiana. I assume it's similar for out of state for Carolina. So you get somebody, they can be a walk-on now. So you, right? you got to work that angle. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the NCAA, they're going to probably have to figure out something fast. Just in general. <laughs> yes. I mean, everything's been going. Guys just being able to leave. And then with this whole NIL thing, it's just, it's crazy. It is The crazy. only thing I will say about that, Jeff, is that, your NIL money is taxable and your scholarship is not right. You know, like that's where that, that kind of hurts. If you're like, well, yeah, I mean, 
reality hit for me too. Like when I did my tax, <laughs> and I saw like all the money that I had to pay back. Hey, like, <laughs> hey, pay did- quarterly quarterly taxes. That's my advice to you yeah. from now on, Armando. Est- estimated payments. Right. Had they helped you with that, Armando? I mean, because that I feel like well, as I'm a student athlete, I would have had zero idea. You know, if you're yeah. making yeah, the over six about figures, it. it's just you have no clue. Yeah, I mean, the tough part about it is just, like, the coaches and stuff, they can't be involved. So it's, like, you can't really – literally everything, you got to get insight from people, like, that's outside of the program. So luckily I knew to do that, though. And, I mean, my mom did a good job. And good. I'm working with did a good job of just telling me not to spend any of the money, and I didn't do that. So <laughs> luckily I was able to pay taxes. But I mean, I know a couple guys have come up with that problem for sure, just not realizing <laughs> that you got to pay. That is the hard part, though. It's like, okay, you can't – your coaches can't help you, not only with that, but they can't even help you with with finding an agent and yeah. finding maybe a financial guy. So a lot of times that that's that's kind of my concern because now you got agents coming at you and, yeah. and, and other guys, obviously, that you don't know. You don't know what, what a percentage is that you should be paying to them. I mean, I think – the NCAA should definitely allow like coaches to be somewhat involved because I mean, those are the people that's in your corner. People you look at as father figures, mother figures, whatever. So just having their opinion. And a lot of the time the coaches have been in those positions and they have marketing deals and things like that. So getting their side on things like that, I think would be a tremendous help. Well, I would agree on that. Listen, uh, appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, I'm glad everything worked out. Uh, I'm glad we had some fun. And, and, and I can provide a, a little morsel of motivation for you guys. I promise I will not call you soft next year. Well, oh. I can't listen. I can't promise that if I see you and you guys aren't playing hard now, the expectations are even higher to me. Yeah. I mean, no, nah, and tons of respect to you too, because when you say it, you put a name on it, uh, add everything. A lot of people, they, you know, quote unquote, sneak this, but you yeah. straightforward with it. So you got to respect that. I Listen to me. I've always been that way for better or worse. Like I'm going to say it and, and I'll be there for it. And you and I knew each other enough that, you know, I, I think again, to me, I just had higher expectations of you guys than what I saw at Mohegan sun. And, and I was disappointed not only again in the effort, but like there was no talking going on on the court that day. None. Oh man, I, we watched that film. That was that was a bad product we put out for sure. Yeah, but it was a hell of a product you put out at the end of the year. So, uh, my man, congrats! Um, and again, we'll we'll talk again before the start of the season. Uh, but enjoy the summer, get healthy, and uh, again, congrats on a heck of a of an ending of the season. Gotcha, no problem. All right, man. As a small business owner, you're juggling a hundred balls in the air and don't have time to interview candidates who just aren't qualified for your role. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions Make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash good. That's linkedin.com slash good to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, that was uh, Armando Baycott, Carolina. Heck of an interview. Like, he's just yes. super smart, honest. You, you just, I don't want to say you don't find a ton of them. and he, But, like, I feel like he doesn't have the guard up. And, and a lot of kids these days have that guard up. He's just, I, I love talking to him, Rob. No, he, we, we interviewed him at the, uh, in Fort Worth after they beat Baylor in that crazy game. Um, and I just thought his answers, even because even if you are a really good interview, sometimes post game stuff, the emotions are super high. You're just leaving the floor. And I thought the way that he answered questions there was, was so impressive. He's a great interview. Um, he's got a big time future ahead of him, whether yeah. it's as a player or something else. And that, that is so obvious. Um, but what a run Carolina had, and he was a big part of it. I mean, he, he was, was. and I, I think it's so cool that Krzyzewski told him in the, the back tunnel, he said, you were my ACC player of the year. And yep. I, I, that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, just I think, Kate's assessment. I think a lot of people felt that way. Well, especially cause again, I, I feel like, and I know ACC player of the year is different. It's just based on the ACC season. Right. Um, but I think a lot of these awards don't take into account the biggest games of the year, which are the NCAA tournament, you know, when you're talking right. about, you know, and I mean, they vote on that before like they did the awards they given did. in, in yeah. early March. So what are you going to do? All right. The big news this week, Rob, I don't think anybody thought this was going to happen. I, I know I didn't all of a sudden I heard some rumblings, some, in, some insider you are. I know. I Listen, I'm not alone. I don't think anybody kind of knew this was happening until I'm trying to remember the days now. So today's Friday. We're recording. Mm -hmm. Was it yesterday? Two days ago. Wednesday? Two days ago. Two Wednesday. Days ago. Wednesday. Uh, I'm in Boston meeting somebody before the Celtics-Nets game, too, and I start to get some texts about it and uh, about Jay Wright retiring. And at first, I'm like, really? And, uh, and then I called a couple of the players, and I won't say who. Cur current players or – one current yeah. player, one somebody on currently on the staff, and another former player, and they all got back to me right away. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think I think you're off. I don't think he's retiring. And usually, it goes. He was. They would ignore you, right? Correct. They would ignore me. Now I texted Jay too, and Jay usually is unbelievable about getting back to me. <laughs> and he ghosted you. Incredible, <laughs> and he ghosted me, and then. Then the problem is, okay, the game, uh, pregame, people are starting to, to show up. I was talking to Ben Simmons for a little bit. Coach K, Shire, their whole staff gets there. You get sidetracked a little bit, um, and, and then it, it broke. And everybody kind of – I think it started to get out there enough that everybody kind of knew it, it was potentially going to happen, and it broke. I don't know what time. It was probably an hour before the game, 45 minutes, yeah. something like that. Jay Wright retiring at 60 years old, two titles, just went to a final four. You know, I'm not sure he's at the top of his game, but he's damn close if he's not. Now they're, totally. they're going to rebuild a little bit this year, losing Gillespie, losing Samuels, you know, potentially Slater leaving. He, he's got another year if he wants to utilize that. Um, but this one, I, it shocked me. And, and I think, 
I felt it because here's the thing for me personally, Rob, he's the first head coach I ever met doing this. First head coach. Where at? Where'd you meet? ABCD camp. Now, I was doing recruiting, as you know, and one of the kids I connected with early, really connected with, was Jason Frazier, who was the number one player in the country at that point. Um, Big kid who was so talented. And their staff knew I had a good relationship with Jason. So they, I think Jay went out of his way to know who I was. What what year was this at ABCD? This would have been like 2002, maybe? Somewhere around there, 2001, two, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. And then I saw him at Slam Dunk to the Beat. And Jay, Jay just is one of those guys, once you meet him, he just makes he makes you feel like he's known you forever. And it yeah. doesn't just go to me. It goes to everybody. No, Jay he, Wright just, I, right? He's just so universally liked yes. in a business where if you win – a lot of people don't like you, right? Like, right. I, I think there's not much that you hear or not anything you hear about Jay Wright that, that is negative. I mean, his players love playing for him. Coaches yep. respect him. He's great with the media. He's an unbelievable coach. Right. I mean, that the, the culture word that gets thrown around, you, you talked about with Baylor earlier, that's Villanova. Yep. I mean, they are so fundamentally sound while also having super good players. Um, they just... They know their strengths. They play to them, and they they win at the highest level. And he elevated Villanova, you know, from a program that had had some success back in what the eighties, yeah, and maybe went through it. It was a you could call it a lull, right? That's fair to say, yeah, big lull. And he he put them right back there with with the blue bloods. You yeah. know, I, I don't know that argument is interesting because you're talking about the Dukes and the Carolinas and the UCLA's and. I'm not sure they're they're not that level to me, yeah. but they're definitely the next one. They're, he made him into it. He made they, him they, into they that. They have level. performed like a blue blood over the last right. ten years. I mean, two national I mean, it's championships, a- final four. But I, I just I have so much respect for Jay Wright from watching his teams, from seeing how he conducts himself, and I I, I hate it for the for college basketball. Yeah, I I, I thought that with Kay leaving and with Roy Williams leaving. <clears throat> with some of the people that we've lost yeah it's like man he'll be the guy that carries the torch and now it's kind of like well maybe maybe not My, i'm i'm shocked that not only was nova able to keep this quiet like you said you didn't hear anything until what day of yeah but they were able to hire someone new <laughs> like how how that happens and i know that it wasn't like they went and got bill self or right some but huge still name, but still like People hear about this stuff. Yes. Um, I mean, hard to keep it quiet because he's a coach at Fordham, which means he's told people on staff, which means they've told people. And that he didn't want to make the the banquet was last night, Thursday night. He didn't want it to to get out there before the banquet. And that was the problem. Like he probably should have waited till next week to do anything. But I I think he didn't want to go out recruiting. It's right. Right. No, I just. I'm I'm sad a little bit for college basketball. I'm Do you sad worry? Do you worry about college basketball now losing the Jay Wrights? And K was 75, so that yeah, that's I mean, that, right. And like Coach Beheim, right. right. he's going to retire. Not those here. guys, but like Tom Izzo. Does he go out two years earlier than he would? Does Bill Self go? Do these guys go out because 
NIL they don't want to deal with portal. and the transfer portal. Yeah. It's just not as much fun to be a head coach anymore. Other than when you look at your paycheck and you say like, all right, I'm not leaving that money on the table. Right. Yeah. But until it starts happening, I don't think you can like worry. I mean, it is concerning seeing coach Wright leave. I didn't know he was 60. I right. thought he was like 55 or yeah. 50, you know, like he didn't look, he doesn't look 60. Um, coach Izzo, I feel like it's kind of that age too, where you, you're not going to be worried about the state of the game because he is at that age where he's I mean, older than you think, right? It'll stink for the big 10 and it'll stink for how college old basketball. Think, how old do you think is OS? 68. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, 67, 67. Yeah. So I don't think that his retirement would make me worry, but if you have like Matt Painter retires in three years that, and not that I'm people will be like, well, you're biased. But I would say he's a, a voice of the game in the yes. sense of like you people go to him for rules and committee stuff and NCA stuff. And it's like, well, why is this guy not going to coach till he's 65, you know, or, or even 70? Um, I, I, who else would I throw in there? If, well, Mark Bill's, Few. Here, Mark, Mark Few, Few is one. Yes. That's going to totally. be interesting because he, he hasn't won one. So it'll motivate him to keep going to hopefully win one. But I think Mark Few is a guy that will be frustrated if with NIL becomes process. something he's got to deal with all the time in Spokane. Totally. I would be concerned if, even though Kansas had their fair share of NCAA investigation stuff, if Bill Self just said, I'm retiring in two or three years, that would be concerning to me because yeah. I think he's such a good coach. It's like, this doesn't seem right that he would hang it up. And look, there is a lot more to life than just coaching college basketball, but it's just a departure from what we see. Right. You know, that's so I think that that's why it's a little bit jarring when you see this and you're like, Jay Wright's going to hang it up at Villanova. I mean, he's got his teams are in the mix every year, you know, and I, I just, but it is a grind. You know, I the on the portal changes things. Well, it's funny because somebody hit me up yesterday and they said, all right, you know, everybody's saying the coaches are working harder now and longer hours and, you know, because of the portal, because of NIL. And my take, and, and this coach said it to me, he goes, years ago, what people failed to remember is like, there were no recruiting restrictions. We could right. go out every day, every day. They, and they were out in April. And they're out you know, all year. Right. Yeah, they're they, out all they summer. Always... There was nothing. So some of these older dudes, they're kind of used to that. Like Izzo. I mean, he's out every day of July. Every day you can be out recruiting. He never misses it. Now, there's some guys, again, who have great work-life balance. We've talked to Mark Few about this. Remember, he right. kind of went back at me um, saying, like, I think he's lazy. I don't think he's lazy. I just – he's different. He's different yeah. than a lot of the other guys. I think Jay Wright had started to become that way. Not, again, still wanting to work. But just not wanting to work 24-7 and be on the like it's hard to fly across the country to see a 16-year-old kid play. Like, like that at some point. When but I'm not 16, sure that was his issue. I think his issue was sitting, you don't, you don't want to watch your entire team leave because and you have to rebuild from scratch, and then you have to sit in front of your computer and go through the portal. Yeah. But he like didn't. The only thing I'll say to that, Rob, is he only had one transfer on his team. 
That no, he had not dealt with it. I agree, but so I like, think that that's going to come. It's not going to be like that forever, correct. because that's the way of the. Was it the foreshadowing landscape. for Jay Wright? Was it him knowing what was going to happen because he's losing a lot of his team right now, and him saying, "I don't want to deal with it" because he hasn't dealt with it the last two years like some coaches have. No, he is not. But I, I can't imagine that him going to recruit a high school kid would be what drives him out because he's been doing that for his entire career. He might be yeah. like, man, I, I'm kind of sick of doing this. But I, I think it's NIL. I think it's Portal. Yeah. I, I think it's the, the worry that has to be in the back of every coach's mind saying, man, when this season ends, we might have every player in the Portal. <laughs> I might have right. to rebuild our entire team. Yeah. And we might even be a decent team. We've seen teams that are not bad right. just lose almost everybody. So I, I think that that's probably that, that has to be it. Um, but you know, he'll get to he's made plenty of money. What a year to go out, win a gold medal, go to the final four. Um, it's just enjoy life, more, yeah, right. Enjoy life. It's too bad that his team wasn't at full capacity to right to get to maybe make the national title game and yeah. win. Yeah. Um, but they still, I mean, the way they played, even in the national semifinal, they they were right there with they Kansas. Competed. They, they hung in yeah. there, you know, and they have five guys out there playing. So what yeah, what a career for him. I'm sad for the game. I'm happy that he'll get to go do whatever he wants. And now he'll have to listen to the Lakers and maybe Philly rumors. For yeah, I mean, listen, the, the big question will be, like, in a year or two. And, again, if Philly opens up, if, like, the Lakers hire Doc – and the Sixers job opens up, I would think that'll be the first call. I mean, I've talked to several GMs over the years, and I talked to one two nights ago, and he was like, yeah, if he wants to get in the league, like I mean, his no demeanor league. would be perfect oh, for it. Perfect. He, he, would, he would kill it. He would now, kill the, it. the only thing is he, he won't have dudes playing like robots like he did it. At That's, no, no. But I, I think that that wouldn't – I don't think that would be a problem. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. I mean, listen, Jay Wright, to me – you're 60. Go ahead. Do whatever the hell you want to do now. You don't want to yeah. do it anymore. Don't do it. Don't do it for the money, which a lot of coaches do. Don't do it because you don't know what else the hell you'll do in, in life. Go and enjoy. And you know what? If he, if he steps out for a year and he says, you know what? I miss it. I'm going to get back in. He can go wherever. Now it won't be honestly. Like, I always felt like he could never leave Villanova for another coaching job. He just couldn't. Now, he was Villanova. Now, all right, like, he can go wherever he wants if he wanted to go somewhere else and, and nobody would fault him for it. Or take an NBA job in a year if, if you feel like, hey, that's something you want to do. All three of his kids are out of college. Right. Like, that's why I felt like he was never going to take an NBA job years ago when the Sixers came calling was because his kids were in high school or in college. You know, I think he had – his daughter was in high school, maybe one kid in college, one was in high school still. And he was like, I'm not, I'm not subjecting them to the grind of the NBA and, and everything that comes along with it. Because while people think the NBA is easier, it's not from a travel standpoint easier. It's easier that you're not on the phone all the time. But to me, it's, it, it, again, it, it can be more taxing from a travel standpoint because you have so many games. I, I heard he might it might be the right and humble podcast next year. That's what I heard. You think you think you could pay him enough money? <laughs> he he volunteered his services pro bono. You would rather work with Jay Wright. <laughs> hey, you know what? I don't have to say? worry about that's not my concern. That's that's CEO and president Doster's concern. Yeah, you know, he's got I, a 
He's got to take some GM. money out of his own he, pocket for that. Yeah, he's, he's Duster's pretty cheap. He's got a sacrifice here. I don't see him doing that. Plus, I mean, you'd rather work with Jay Wright than me? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, probably. All right. Well, there you have it. There you have it. All right. Listen, thanks, everybody. Uh, watching, listening, another edition of the Goodman and Hummel pod. Thanks to Armando Baycott. He was terrific. And uh, we'll see you. And, and uh, not that long of a layoff. We only missed a week. We'll, yeah, we'll try to do like probably every other week. I, I think that I don't want to, I don't want to grind, you know, you too hard, take you away from the golf course, which is really your bread and butter this time of year. It is. Um, it is I don't need you hit, hitting any more shots in Lake Michigan. All right. No more. No more tee shots in Lake Michigan. It was a tough, tough finish, double-double par yesterday. But that's the way it is. There we have it. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.